Hi, this is Matt Shaw, pastor at City Lift Church. If you're in the Fort Lauderdale area, we'd love for you to come visit us on a Sunday sometime or join us online, citylift.church. We hope today's message fills you with courage and helps you on your spiritual journey. We exist just to help people meet, know, and follow Jesus. Enjoy today's message. It's going to be a great day. We're going to be teaching off the book of Esther, and uh, I, I'm just excited for it. It's going to, be, going to be awesome. I want to start this morning by telling you a, a story, true story, uh, of a missions trip that we went on. I went to college for Christian ministries, and then I was hired, and I started in youth ministry, which I, I love that I got to start in youth ministry. A lot of my friends went on for their master's, and I started in youth ministry, which I've always learned better in the trenches. I don't know about you, but I've never really been a good book learner. I like practical learning. I'm like, if it doesn't work, I don't want it. Give me something practical. So I'm a, I'm a real practical, applying kind of person. And so it was great to go right into youth ministry, but I had no idea what I was doing. It was amazing. We would do youth events. We used to do these dodgeball tournaments, man. One time we had a a bunch of kids, and this kid got mad at another one and grabbed a stapler. He started stapling this kid's head. And I'm like, I am so getting sued over this dodgeball tournament. This is amazing. I had my junior high leader wrap up one kid. I wrapped up the other one. It was amazing. I really got a lot of great life lessons in youth ministry. We decided this one year we were going to go on a missions trip. We were working with another organization there in Oklahoma, and we were going to go to a, a city in northern Mexico, and it was a, just a tragic story. There's a lot of people living on the city dump, and the city was charging them rent to live there. There. So it's just this very tragic, very felt, just, just it wasn't just and right. And so we decided, part of a couple organizations, we're going to go build a community center and we're going to build a well so they can have fresh water and they can have showers and just some basic human needs and shelter and those kinds of things, which they didn't have. And so we're, we're deciding to go. We looked at flights. There's no way we can afford the flights. And so we have this crazy idea. It's like, what if I get my CDL? And, and I'm like 23, 24 at the time. And I was like, I'll just drive these 40 kids across the, you know, Oklahoma, Texas, you know, Arizona, New Mexico, and New Mexico. It's going to be great, you know. And uh, I look back on that. I'm like, wow, I can't believe they let me do that, let alone that I can't believe I did that. And so the oldest person, I think, that was a chaperone on that trip was 30 years old. Everybody else was in their 20s and teenagers. And, man, we were, we were a party. And so I get my CDL. We have this massive church uh, bus. This is back in the days. Churches, like, all, every church had a bus for some reason. I don't know why, but... And so I get my CDO, we have this massive bus, we're taking all these kids across the border. I'll never forget crossing the border, and the guard's like, what the heck are you doing? With? Like, I mean, that looks shady, right? I mean, it's like, I got like 40 miners. With it. It's like, okay, this looks bad. Like, somebody, like, yeah, we're doing this mission trip, it's going to be great. We get to the complex, and we're sharing the complex with several other organizations, and we start, you know, working and building. We do our part for those, those two, about a week and a half there. Uh, and it was a great time, but it, it was very chaotic. And, and I really learned again and again, man, this whole thing is out of my control. Like, plans would change. We do this. It's up and down. One time, they were vanning. They're taking a van, and they're getting us back and forth from the complex to the site. And on the way, it's kind of a mountain that was, the complex was on. On the way down, the brakes went out of the van. <laughs> And so the driver starts screaming. We're all screaming, you know. Like, like it was crazy. And I'm like, this is insane. Like, this, I don't know what is happening. On the trip was winding down. Things were settling a little bit. And, and one of the groups that was there was a Lutheran group, and they wanted to do a foot-washing ceremony, which is cool. It's fine, right? So, so they, they grabbed the water. We had all these big Colgan jugs of water for the, for the couple weeks that we were there. And, and they used some of the water, and they do a foot-washing ceremony. Well, one of the other uh, workers that were at the complex didn't want to waste the water and want to use it for something else, right? Probably cleaning or something, which is cool. But they put the water back in the Colgan jugs of, of water. And then somebody else thought it was drinking water. Oh, yeah, you see where this is going. 
and they put the foot washing water back on the Colgan machine. And so we come back from like a seven-hour day sweating our faces off work, and we're just drinking water. And guys, like the entire team gets like deathly sick. Like I have never been so sick in my life. And me and the other driver had to like take turns and he'd like run out into the desert, you know, to like relieve himself and then jump back in and drive it. And, and I remember driving home and like the whole crew is like, uh, and I'm just like, yo, this is out of control. Like I will never do this again. And this is completely out of control. If you've ever felt like your life has been out of control, I would argue that Esther could relate to you. If we look at Esther's story and we read the book of Esther, there's a lot of things that come out really, really fast that I think are very relatable right away. Esther's story starts out quite chaotically, and it's very much out of her control. She is a young Jewish lady, but she's living in Susa, which is the capital of ancient Persia, right? So why isn't she in Israel, right? Why is she in Persia? Well, the Babylonians conquered her people. They took her away. Then the Persians conquered the Babylonians, and they shuffled people again. And so all of a sudden, she's in a city. She's in a land. She's in a place that she's not supposed to be, and it's all out of her control. When you are born, you do not get to pick your hair color, your eye color, your skin color. You don't get to pick what state you're born in. You don't get to pick what country you're born in. You are just born into this crazy thing called life, and you have no control over it. In theology, we call it sovereign beginnings. God chose you. He picked you, right? But you have no control. You have no control over who you are and what scenario and what time period you come into. You have no control. You just start crying. They spank you, and they give you a couple shots, and boom, you're here. They put you in a diaper, and that's how you might have been wanted. You might have been unwanted. We don't know, but you're here, right? She has no control over the situation that she is born into. Life gives her a lot of painful things right away. The Bible says that she's an orphan, so both of her parents have passed, right? Tragedy. Maybe you've lost a parent here today, and I'm very sorry. Um, I have both of mine. I'm very grateful, and I can't even think about that, like how painful that would be, right? So she, has, she loses both of her parents, and she loses them young, right, out of her control. She gets called into this ancient beauty pageant. The king fires his old wife. He wants to find a new one. And what does he do? He's like, I'm going to throw this ancient beauty pageant, and we're going to get all these ladies together, and I'm going to pick one, right? You're like, wow, how terrible, until you realize that's the bachelor, y'all. That is exactly what this is. This is bachelor royal edition, right? Like, it it's just circles back, okay? Like, so, so it's out of her control. She, she gets pulled into the palace out of her control. She goes through all these things and these hoops out of her control, right? And so all of her young life, watch this, is out of her hands. It's just out of her hands. It's, she can't control any of it. There's not a dial that she can turn that brings control back into her power. It is out of her control, out of her control. But there's also this other force that is working in her life. And, and it's not all bad. Her cousin Mordecai sees that she loses her parents, and he chooses to adopt her, raise her as his own daughter. When she gets sent to the palace for this beauty pageant, the servant Haggai has a lot of favor on her, and he begins to favor her and make sure she's got everything she needs and, and just take care of her. Soon that favor spreads into the royal court, and she has favor all throughout the royal court. And then the king selects her to be his new wife, and she has this unbelievable amount of favor. Guys, here's what I want to say today. What's amazing about the book of Esther is God's name is not in the book of Esther at all. You can't find his name in the book at all. 
There's only two books in the Bible God's name is not mentioned, Esther and the Song of Solomon. And Song of Solomon is like this poem. It's, this, it's, it's a beautiful poem about a husband and a wife and engagement and marriage and everything. And so you can see how it may be a little awkward to put God's name in all that, right? It's like this love poem. But the book of Esther doesn't have God's name at all, okay? And in fact, it has no mention of his law, which is fascinating. It has, it has no mention of his presence, has no mention of his worship or his power or his hand. None of that. There's no mention. In fact, when scholars were putting together the Bible and they were looking at which book should be in and which book should not, they're looking at the book of Esther and everybody, of course, is like, why is there no mention of God's name? There's no mention of his power, of, of an answer to prayer, a prophetic word, right? There's, there's no miracle. And what they discovered is that while we can't see God's name in the book, we cannot deny his behind-the-scenes handiwork all over it. And they decided to leave the book in. And what the book of Esther teaches us and preaches to us today is God's name isn't always front and center. But just because his name is absent doesn't mean his workings and his hand is not working. I want to show you this picture of this movie set, right? And uh, this is from Uncharted with Tom Holland, if you, if you happen to see it. But how many of you know that you see a few actors on the screen, but you know there's more people behind the scenes, Right? And so for every image that you see, you know there's people working on the set behind the scenes creating what you do see. Sometimes in life, God is not on the screen of our lives, but you can be assured he is on the set of our lives. That you don't always see the answer to prayer right away. You don't always see the miracle right away. You don't always feel his presence every Sunday. But just because he's not on the screen, church, doesn't mean he's not on the set. Doesn't mean he's not present. It doesn't mean he's not there. Doesn't mean he's not working behind these scenes, setting something up for you. And if you look at the life of Esther, there's no direct word. There's no direct answer to prayer. But his favor is behind her life, constantly promoting her through the pain, getting her to where she needs to be. And so she becomes queen. And, and the story of Esther really kind of hits this climactic moment in Esther chapter 4, okay? And so what's going on, Esther becomes queen, but there's this guy called Haman, and he's getting promoted through the ranks, but he hates the Jewish people. And he's got this plan to commit genocide and end all the Jewish people, and he gets the, the law to do it. He kind of sneaks his way in there, you know? And, and the, the story of Esther hits this moment where her adopted dad, Mordecai, writes to her, and he says this to her, because he's asking her to go to the king and plead for the Jewish people. And he says this, he writes to her and he says this. He goes, don't think that just because you live in the king's house and you're the one Jew that's going to get out of this alive. If you persist in staying silent at a time like this, help and deliverance will arrive for the Jews someplace else, but you and your family are going to be wiped out. Who knows? Let's check this out. I love this. Who knows? Maybe you were made queen for just such a time as this. Y'all, what if the favor on your life has led you for such a time as this. God, my whole life is out of control. Yes, but there is a force of favor that has been working and steadily working and behind the scenes and on the set and setting things up and opening doors and getting you to where you want and God getting you where God wants so that you are ready for such a time as this. Here's what I know. The favor of God is more than able to get you where he wants you to be so you can reach the people you're called to reach. And listen, reaching people, preaching is definitely reaching people. But you know what else you can reach people now? Some of you, man, you should open a YouTube channel, and you'll reach a ton of people. 
Some of you should start loving on families, and you'll reach a ton of people. Some of you should start mentoring men, and you'll start reaching a ton of people. Some of you can help reach women and reach a ton of people. You were created and favored for such a time as this. Because here's what I do know. I didn't know you were coming on the scene at such a time as this, but God did. God knew you were coming right now, and you'd be sitting in this room right here, 2023, as crazy as it's all been the last few years. God's like, I know my kid. I know why I put him on the earth, and they're here right now. Listen to this right now. God's favor is getting you to where he wants you to be. And so he writes, he says, who knows? Maybe you were made, Esther. Maybe you went through everything you went through. Maybe, maybe you're favored for this very moment. Maybe you're in this position for this exact moment thing in life to rescue our people. Esther is a hero of the faith because she chose, watch this, even though life was totally out of control for her, in this moment she chooses to trust the God who is in control. When life is out of control, I can trust the God who is in control. And she makes a decision. Thank you, y'all. I'm landing well for y'all. So many things about my hands, but I'm going to trust that I was made for this moment. I'm going to trust the favor that has followed me all my life, and I'm going to act in faith on it. What a picture of life. Guys, if we're honest, the Christian life, a lot of it is God not being on the screen but being on the set. We don't always get a direct answer to prayer. We don't always get a a word telling us what to do. We we don't always have this amazing open floor revelation. We We don't always get it on the screen, but we can sense God on the set because we're like, man, God, if I look back, Man, I, I shouldn't be where I'm at now. Your grace has been too good. Come on, he's been more faithful to us than we've been to him. Y'all know that's true. Like, he's been better to you than you and I deserve. There's this working on the set behind the scenes, getting you to where he wants you to be. So if you're in here this morning and you're like, yo, pastor, my life is a little out of control right now. Let me get practical. Let me help you with a few things as I kind of wind down and help you apply it. Am I, am I helping you see the God behind the scenes? That's what I want because he's not always on screen, but he's behind the scenes. And you mean, he may not be the main actor, but he's on set. And so much of the Christian life is like this. And if you don't, if you don't listen, we, we live in a generation where we're always like, what's on next? What's on the screen? I mean, the average TikTok view is like, what, three seconds now or something? Like, boom, boom, boom. Who's on screen? Who's on screen? What if God's on set? What if he's on set, though? What if you don't get to feel his presence for the next six months, but is he still in your life? Scripturally, yes. Jesus said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. So often we're looking for a feeling and God's looking for faith. Maybe you get the feeling. Maybe you don't. I don't want to follow all my feelings. I want to follow the Bible. I want to follow this faith. I want to follow him. And if he's on screen in my life this year, awesome. If it looks like he left me, I'm not going to say he did because the Bible says he can't deny himself. He's forever faithful. Are you picking up what I'm throwing down a little bit? Are you hearing what I'm saying? Because we're a generation that loves feelings. We really do, and that's okay to a degree. But I don't want my feeling to negate the fact of God's promises. My faith is in his promise, not my feeling. If I went by my feelings, I wouldn't be in pastoral ministry anymore. Come on. I don't wake up every day and feel like doing the right thing and feel like following God and feel like being a Christ follower. I don't know if I've ever felt like picking up my cross and following him. We don't go by feelings. I don't think Esther felt that moment, but she faithed it in that moment. 
Yeah, my life has been painful. A lot of it's out of my control, but I cannot deny the God on the set working behind the scenes, giving me favor, getting me through all the things that I've been through. Janine, who knows if you're not appointed for such a time as this to help all those young ladies, all the things you survived and gone through and went through and God has enabled you to do, who knows? Such a time as this. If you don't know Janine, she's awesome. She's an entrepreneur. She's helping a lot of lives. Who knows for such a time as this? You know, Janine, actually, I feel this in my heart right now. I didn't mean, this is totally off script right now. I feel like God is greatly going to increase your impact to these young ladies. I feel like you've been running level one, level two. And I really feel like the Holy Spirit is telling me to tell you, get ready for like level nine and level 10, because he's getting ready to increase your ministry greatly for such a time as this. You're welcome. I, I, that was not in the notes. You can look at the notes later. The God on set, behind the scenes, forcing things. He's like the tides, man. He just favored. Okay, so if life is out of control, number one, when life is out of control, when my life is out of control, I get two choices, y'all. I can freak out or I can trust the God who is in control, okay? I, I can freak or I can trust, okay? My mom used to say this. She goes, if the enemy can't push, he'll pull. If the enemy can't tempt you, then he's going to make you so anxious that you don't move. If he can't get you with worry, he'll try stress. And he'll try a toxic relationship. Like he just, if he can't push, he'll just pull. Why? Because he wants you distracted. Because if you're distracted, you're not on destiny. The enemy is afraid of you being on purpose. And so he's always trying to get you off purpose. Because you on purpose, not only are you powerful, you're effective. And the kingdom of God is built. And people are helped. How does the enemy run the things he does? A lot of it is distraction. He cannot defeat a believer, and he knows it, so he distracts a believer. See, some of you are like, well, I'm afraid of the devil destroying me. Listen, if the devil could destroy you, he would have done it a long time ago. The hand of God is on your life, and God is not done with you. If you're breathing, you are here until God is done with you. The devil is not stronger than God. God puts his hand on your life, you're here, baby, okay? But what the enemy loves to do then, he's like, well, if I can't take him out, I'll just get him busy, I'll get him stressed, I'll get him anxious, I'll get him afraid, I'll get them looking at their past. I'll get them with this. I'll get them with that. I'll distract them so they never help the people they're called to help. That's how the enemy works a lot, right? So I can freak out when life's out of control because life is often out of control. The older you get, the more you realize it's a lot more out of my control than what is in my control. I can barely control my kids. You know what? My toddlers are out of my control, okay? Like I do my best, but they're out of control sometimes, right? A lot of it's out of my control. I can freak or I can trust the God who is in control. I want to read this, Proverbs 19, 21. We humans keep brainstorming options and plans, but God's purpose prevails. God's purpose. Who knows if you weren't made for such a time as this, the favor in your life, getting you to this thing, God's purpose prevailing. Number two, when my life is out of control, I can trust God is working. I can trust God is working. If he's not on the screen, it's because he, he's behind the scene. If he's not in the picture, he's not in the image, you know what? He's on set, and he's building something in my life, and he is a good, loving, heavenly father. I love this right here. It, it says, Romans 8, 28, we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. God is working right now, and he's working good. God has an amazing ability to take terrible starts, tragic situations, and work it for your good. Do I have some wounds in life? Absolutely. But you know what God did? He worked it for my good. Sometimes my wounds have given me some of the softest hearts in certain areas because I know 
what it's like to be on the other side. And so God is working on my heart. He's working on my mind. He's working in my life. He's working through me. You know, I'm a better pastor today because of some of the wounds I've walked through. You know, and I'm sure I'll be a better pastor in 20 years. Sometimes I look back on my life, and I, and I love the good times. But sometimes I look back, and I'm like, God, thank you for the hard time. Thank you for the painful thing. Sometimes God will trust you with a promise, and sometimes he'll trust you with a pain. You know, because he's working good, and he can grow me. And honestly, if we're honest, guys, is it the good times or the bad times that make us better? Often it's the hard times. It's the hard things. It's the painful things. And it makes us a better follower of Christ. I love this quote. It said, great sailors aren't made on smooth seas. Right? Like there's something about going through a hard time and a painful time, but I trust that God is working it for my good in the end. And he does, and he is, and he is good. Okay? Last one. I'm going to hang on this one for a second. Follow the favor of God on your life. Follow the favor of God on your life. Don't follow your feelings. I know that that's kind of the mantra of this generation. Do what feels good. That's the dumbest advice ever. It really is. Like, it really, really, why? Because feelings change. Your emotions change. You love that man. You're going to marry him. Now you can't stand him. Okay? Like, it's like emotions change. Feelings change. Okay? Follow the favor of God on your life. When I, when I was in college, I started applying for all these different ministry positions that my friends were doing, right? Which is good wisdom. You should do that. You should try to get a job, right? I get it. Okay, closed door, closed door, closed door, closed door, closed door, closed door, okay? And then finally, somebody was talking good about me behind my back. How many of you want someone to talk good about you behind your back every now and then? That's nice, okay? And, and so, so talking good about my back, call somebody who knows somebody. And after three, four phone conversations, Pastor Norman Wilkie out in Oklahoma hired me right out of college, right? And I was his youth pastor. Now, I've talked about him before, but Pastor Norman has been in my life for 19 years. He is the reason I'm still in ministry. I still have my head. I still got my heart because of him. Watch this. I was trying to get a job. God was trying to get me a pastor. I thought I needed money. God's like, you need help. God closed a lot of doors, watch this, so he could open the right door. God's like, all those other jobs aren't going to change your life, but this pastor will. So I'm going to let you have all these closed doors so I can lead you to the open door where my favor is resting so I can impact your life. That man has blessed my life more than, I mean, I can even explain in one sermon, okay? Like, besides my wife, this man has changed and transformed my Christian life, okay? And I really wouldn't even probably be here today without him. That's how great of an impact he's had on my life. Isn't it amazing that God will let you go through a lot of rejection so he can redirect you to the right door? And sometimes his favor will close 20 doors so he can open one door, but it's the right door. We have this funny thing in life. We think everyone needs to say yes to us. Nuh-uh. You don't need everybody to say yes to you. And it doesn't mean you can't accomplish that thing. You just can't accomplish it with them. You don't need everybody. You need somebody but you want to go to the right thing, and God's favor will lead you there. Come on, amen. That is good teaching and good preaching this morning. I want to help you out. This is the God behind the set, setting it up. And so God closed a lot of doors so he could open the right door. And then in the next stage of my life, in the next stage of ministry, just follow the favor of God on your life. When God opens the door of favor, walk through it. I've never had to force a God thing. I've never had to twist a God thing. I've never had to manipulate a God thing. I've never even had to try that hard. I've had to show up, use my faith, do what God tells me to do. But other than that, his favor will just, it'll make it happen. How is the church growing, Pastor? God's favor. I'm not that charismatic. 
I'm really not. I try, but I, I'm not. And it's, and it's, and it's, it's funny, too. Like, I look back. Y- y'all don't know this, but I look back on this journey, and I'm like, God, I know more than anybody else this is your hand. And I'll tell you what, as you follow Jesus, guys, you're going to look back in your own life. Janine, you're going to look back, and you're going to say, this is God's hand. Janine couldn't do all this. God did it. You know, it's, it's God, God doing it. Amen? Jay, you're going to look back and be like, God did it. Come on. God did it. Like, God did it. God will do it. He's the God on set. When he's not on the scene, he's on set. You can trust it. Follow the favor. Let him open a door for you and walk right through it. I've never had to force a God thing in my life. Anything you create in your power, you have to use your power to keep. But you let God create something for you, his power will sustain it. That is really good and really deep, okay? Just say amen, smile at your neighbor, and just be like, I hope you took that in. <laughs> let God do something for you. He's on set. He's on set. Let me pray for you really quick, and I'll get you out of here. I want to pray number six. Let's, let's close our eyes, lift our hands for a moment. This is the priestly blessing, and I felt like God wanted me to pray this over you today. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you, be gracious to you. And the Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. Heavenly Father, you are the God on set. You are the God behind the scenes. We don't always see you on screen. You're not always named. You're not always a miraculous movement in front of our eyes. But God, we sense the favor on our lives, working behind everything, getting us to where you want us to be. God, I thank you that you are a good God and a faithful God. And you will be all the way In Jesus' name, amen and amen. One more time, give it up for Jesus, guys. We love you. Thanks again for checking out our podcast. If you enjoyed it, please subscribe. Share with a few friends. Thanks for helping us make Jesus famous right here in South Florida. Again, if you're in the Fort Lauderdale area, we'd love to see you sometime. Or as always, visit us online, citylift.church. Have an amazing day.